Hi, welcome to Mimosas with Moms. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. And this week, instead of kind of going through a recap... Because we do the same stuff almost every single week. We chauffeur kids around, we chase kids, <laughs> we work, we go to swim lessons, and every once in a while we want to shake our husbands. Well... It was a lot this week for me. <laughs> Marcus was like in rare form this week, which I put it on the story. So if you're following along on Instagram, which I like such the, a good laugh. the majority of people voted that, yeah, I should kill him. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. But yeah, he left me high and dry in the middle of the night with the babies in the bed and went and slept in another bed. I oh, walked in there and I was like, what are you doing? He was like, oh, is this not, this is this okay? <laughs> Absolutely no. not. No. If you're going to go to another bed, at least take one of the babies with you. Right? Yeah. So, but so instead of telling you guys about our same week over yeah. and over again, yeah. if there's something fun and crazy and cool, we, we will we'll share. share. Yeah, of course. But they're pretty, I mean. We want you to know who we are, too. Yeah. yeah. Our weeks are pretty consistent. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. But no, we want to hear from you guys. Um, so we're going to be putting it on the media as well and in our stories and stuff. But we want you guys to be reaching out uh, with questions for us. And we'll read them here Yeah. in our little intro. And answer them and back. Answer some mom questions. So like about us, about our yeah, families, anything. about being moms, yeah. about where we're great, where we suck, everything in between. Yeah. Just ask, We're not ask parenting experts, but Heck we'll no. give you our, uh, I our guess, feedback. solicited advice because right. you'll be asking for it. Yeah. 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 So ask us some questions <laughs> and then we will randomly start our intros out with answers to these questions. Yeah. And it'll be fun. So make sure you are following us on our Instagram and our Facebook. Facebook. And you're emailing us. You can email us questions. You can yeah. DM us questions. Yeah. We'll figure out how to get them all on one page. Yeah. <laughs> Send them in. Yes. So today we are welcoming on Chloe Freeze. Chloe is a, a pediatric sleep consultant and owner and co-founder of La Lune Consulting. So welcome, Chloe. Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. We are We're so, so excited to have happy. you. This is something <laughs> that we both need. I'm like, sleep is definitely something that everybody treasures. It is. And new parents are, well, I'll just Mom all parents, and dads, yeah, yeah. are just like, need all the sleep it's to keep true. up with these tiny babies. It's true. It's such a struggle <laughs> for so many families. I know. And I'm like, I wish we would have found you sooner because... <laughs> it's never too late, though. I it know. Really isn't. I know, but I've gone like we... 14 months yeah. of not sleeping. That's okay. Both of our I, babies yeah. never do not sleep And you're just like... Consistently. The definition of a mommy or just like going through the motions. Mm-hmm. I was... Um, I was joking with some moms earlier this morning that I've like dropped the ball all over the place at school this year because I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just so tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep up. So yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us how um you got into sleep consulting. Sure, yeah. So I actually um started out in a career in marketing a few years ago. Yeah. And was doing that for a while. Ended up working for a company that was not doing so hot, and I had to kind of jump ship. And I thought to myself, okay, well, do I want to go into another marketing job? 
doesn't really sound all that appealing. So what, you know, what do I even want to do? Ended up deciding I wanted to work with kids, but I didn't really know what that would look like. Yeah. Um, And mind you, this was in June and not June of this year, but at the time in June. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to become a teacher by the fall. Well, (laughs) I quickly found out that is not reality. (laughs) And you can't do that. I have to have years of schooling. Plus, I would have had to, even if I did finish the schooling, I would have had to interview months ago. Yeah, be considered for a job in the fall. So, but way to be eager and a go getter. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You know, so I told everyone at work I was leaving to become a teacher in the fall, and they all just kind of looked at me and said, "Great, congratulations." Um, anyways, <laughs> I left. I ended up becoming a nanny just to kind of fill the space, thinking that that would be a short term gig for me. I ended up working for a family that had a newborn. Yeah, and. As I was working with them, the dad looked at me at one point and he said, you know, I, I think you're a postpartum doula and you don't realize it because that's oh what you're gosh. doing here. I know it was wonderful. Yeah. I ended up looking into what that is, um, becoming trained to be a postpartum doula and did that for a while. And during that time, I... What a cool career path. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it was a wonderful job. And I do still bring a lot of that knowledge, especially when I work with newborns into the sleep consulting field. Yeah. Um, but while I was doing that, I realized just how important sleep was for anything and everything that had to do with that baby and the parents too, right? Yes. So yes. I would walk into a home and I could tell almost immediately if they had gotten a good night's sleep the night before or had <laughs> just had a good nap or yeah. if everyone was in desperate need of some sleep. We're all in desperate need over here in case you're wondering. <laughs> like you'd walk into my house and yeah. be like, wolf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I could tell pretty quickly. And, and so I started doing some research around sleep and what that would even look like. And I, this was right around the time that uh, my sister had twins. Yeah. And they had had a really horrible experience with their now, how old is she? Seven, almost eight. Almost yeah. eight, eight years old. Um they had had a really horrible experience with her and sleep and struggled for many, many years. And so when those twins came along, they were like, okay, there's two of them. So we can't do this again. That's like and- the definition of dividing and conquering. <laughs> right. Right. I don't want to exactly. know what that's like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was two of them and they just, they didn't want to do that struggle again. So they started researching what it could even look like. And they ended up finding a sleep consultant Yeah, and working with her. And they were four months at the time. And within a week, well, the whole consultation is two weeks, same thing with mine. But within a few days, those twins were sleeping through the night and taking longer naps. And all of us were like, whoa, we didn't even realize this was even (laughs) possible. I helped them implement the whole plan. I worked alongside them. Yeah. a very close family. Um, and I wanted to learn too, right? I was a postpartum right. doula at the time. So I was working with, with little ones their age. Yeah. Um, I ended up researching a little bit more into, oh, this is a career. This, this exists. Um, there are these, you know, sleep fairies that can actually fix this issue that so many families struggle with. And, and I love, I love that you are so Oh, that's so awesome. But that's really I feel like that is what you would be as oh a sleep God. fairy. <laughs> Maybe I should change my branding. Sleep fairy. Yes. Yeah. I, I'd be like, hired. Done. <laughs> done. Sign me up. Exactly. So I looked into it. I got certified pretty quickly after that. And I started my business a couple months later. And here we are. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you kind of work with all different ages. I do. Yeah. So I'll work with anyone from zero to five. Wow. Yeah. And there's wow, I wish I would have known these so, things. So if a six-year-old comes to me, of course, I can do that too. Um, yeah. I just say that because that's usually like, usually the cutoff as to when people have it figured out, not that they should or, you know, have to yeah. in general. Is there ever like a situation, I guess, where you're like, that there's something medically going on that you're like, hey. You know, I haven't had- Especially like if it gets to an older age, right. and like thinking, you know, if you're at five, six years old, What's is there something right. medical kind of going on that you need to go see doctor maybe? So I, I, I do like a little bit of an assessment beforehand, before you even hire me, I talk to you for 15 minutes, 15, 20 yeah. minutes, all about what's going on. So I'm able to get a good idea if there is something more going on besides yeah. just, you know, whether it's behavioral or habitual or whatever it is that's going right. on with sleep. Um, and then following that, you do an intake form. So I get even more information about what's going on. Yeah. And then working with you, we're talking constantly. So I'm able to be able to tell pretty quickly if there's something more. If I feel yeah. that there is, Yeah. I always ask parents, and even if there isn't actually, I always ask parents to get pediatrician approval before we get started. Oh, cool. Because, yeah. yeah, just because, especially with younger ones, when, when parents aren't sure how often they need to be eating overnight, should I continue feeding four or five times a night for my six-month-old, whatever it is, yeah. I want to make sure that pediatrician is on board before we even consider night weaning. And yeah. even then, I don't even really teach night weaning. It just naturally happens within the process. The little one starts sleeping through and only waking when they're truly hungry and not looking for, for a comfort feed, so to speak. That was um, my problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like most pediatricians are on board and yes, this is great. Or do you ever have any pushback? I have never had any pushback. No, yes. I've had one pediatrician say um, that they wanted to wait until a certain point, and that was only due, because of weight gain. They wanted to make sure the little one was was uh, had gained enough weight, and that's exactly what I'm looking for, right? So I want that pediatrician to tell me based on their knowledge, because they know that baby and their health and their developmental curve better than anyone is anyone else, yeah, right. So I want I want them to be able to say yes, they say, they're ready for this. Okay. That, I mean, that makes sense. I guess I wouldn't have even yeah. thought about that, like but I'd be like, stuff. please just help yeah. me sleep. Please. Right. right. I know, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I start with little ones as, I, I mean, newborns I can work with. Um, real deal sleep training doesn't actually happen until after that four month mark. Yeah. And that's because um, the, if you've heard about the four month sleep regression or yes. experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and even if you haven't experienced it, so many parents come to me and they're like, I'm so afraid of this. I'm dreading this. Yeah. No, I dread those sleep regressions. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the four-month one is the first one, right? And it's the biggest right. one. It's the toughest one. And that's because the way that your little one's brain develops, their sleep actually completely changes. Yeah. So during that newborn phase, they only go through light sleep and deep sleep, and that's it. So when you rock your baby to sleep and lay them down and they fall right to sleep and you have no problems. And then they wake after, you know, 30, 45 minutes, whatever it is, an hour to two hours overnight. Um, that's because 
they fall right into that deep sleep first and foremost. So they're yeah. out. When you lay them down, they're not going to wake. They're going to fall I right I wish I slept like that. Yeah, same. <laughs> right. So <laughs> around the mark, yeah. they, their brain develops to change the way they sleep to be like adult sleep. Yeah. So as adults, we actually go through five cycles of sleep or five stages of sleep, excuse me, one cycle um, in those five stages. So we start out in a very, very light sleep which is why a lot of parents will come to me at the four, five, six month mark and they're going, wait a minute, I used to be able to rock, bounce, nurse, you know, put in a car seat, whatever it is, and my child would sleep. And now I do that and I lay them down and they start screaming immediately. What yeah. happened? Yeah, that well, makes sense. Right. So the way that their sleep cycle was happening has actually changed. They went from light sleep and deep sleep to now they're experiencing all five stages of sleep, just like we do, and starting out in that very light stage of sleep. So when they're laid down, they're still in the light stage of sleep and easily awoken. It's not until two stages later that they get to that very deep sleep. Yeah. Which is, is that, does that explain why so many parents have to rock their kids so much longer as they get older? Yes. Um, it, there's also that another was the death of me with yes. my son. That's why yes. I still rub a seven year old's back to bed every night. <laughs> right, right. So essentially, what ends up happening is as a solve, parents, you know, because of your instinct and because of your, you know, way of soothing your child, which don't get me wrong, this is exactly what you should be doing in those newborn days. It's what they're used to when they're in the womb, they're rocked to sleep all day long. And then mm. when they wake up is at night when you get lay down for Stop bed, moving. right? When you're mm-hmm. right, when you're when you go when you're still. Um, and so when they come out, they're like, Yeah, I'm used to being rocked to sleep all day long. So this is what I how I know how to fall asleep. Fast forward to the four-month mark that sleep changes. So now you're rocking instead of for two minutes for 15, 20 minutes, because that's Mm -hmm. how long it takes to get to that deep stage, right? In order to be able to successfully lay them down. And now they have an association with rocking and sleep. So they actually have now learned to no fault of your own, but they have now learned that rocking equals sleep or whatever it is, nursing equals sleep. We are ruining our babies. <laughs> have not rocked Blake in so long. A little bit. I mean, unintentionally. I have though, ruined right? Because you're following, right, you're following your instinct in those newborn yeah. babies, and that's exactly what you should be doing. So come that four-month mark, almost all little ones need a little bit of sleep coaching to teach them to get to that independent sleep, which is actually a taught skill. In the same way that they're going to learn how to walk, talk, ride a bike, play soccer, it's a taught skill. It, you know, if you were to never know how to play soccer before and you go out on the field and you pick up the ball and the coach is like, what are you doing? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, you know, I, what are the rules? I don't know. That's so I don't know true. how to play, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing with sleep. And, and it's hard to think of it that way because it seems like such an inherent ability to us. You just close well, your eyes as an adult. Sleep. I'm like, I love to sleep. I can't exactly. get enough sleep. <laughs> right, if, right. The earlier I go to bed, so the earlier I wake and the more day I feel like I have, the better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I get to this four month mark and I need to not be rocking my kid to sleep anymore. <laughs> what should I be doing? Yeah. Right. So for every kid, it's different. Right. right. And, right. and it's the reason I write custom plans and, and plans that have to do with you know, or personalized specifically for your situation. 
But essentially in those newborn days, if, if you have a newborn right now and you're listening, in those newborn days, get them as much practice as you can. Um, being laid down, drowsy, but not necessarily forcing it because especially when they're a newborn, you want to be responding to those cries yeah. pretty efficiently uh, for the reason being that you're seeing those first three months um, that, you know, fourth trimester as the time to be establishing that trust between you and your child. So it's when I cry and I need something, mom or dad comes. A nice secure attachment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that when that- Our babies still have that. <laughs> <laughs> so when that, when that, when it does come time for sleep coaching, there's no trust lost. They know that if they really need you, you'll be there. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to follow that up with, I- specialize in gentle sleep coaching techniques. So I work with the parent to find a solution that they are comfortable and confident in. If they're not comfortable leaving their child, even for intervals at a time to to cry, then we're going to find a different solution. Um, Now, with that being said, no tears may not be possible. Um, Our children use tears as a way to communicate with us and to tell us what they're, you know, that they don't really like a change, (laughs) of course. Um, You know, we don't, we don't like change as adults, but eventually we learn that it's for the better and more often than not, we end up benefiting from it. Right. So you don't necessarily promote crying it out, but you don't shy away from sometimes a child does need to cry for whatever amount of time you're comfortable with. Yes and no. Um, okay. Don't promote cry it out only because I want to make sure that one, they're being fed if they actually need it, if they're hungry um, and cry it out. So uh, let's take a step back and, and talk about the definition of cry it out, which when I say cry it out, I mean, it's extinction. So that's when you lay your child down at the beginning of the night, say goodnight, walk out, and don't come back in until the morning, no matter what. Oh, no, I don't do that. There's okay. no way. So, <laughs> no, some parents could do that. I I guess I thought I was doing cry it out, but I'm totally not. Because right. I would lose my mind listening to that. Yeah. Right, exactly. So that's why I wanted to define it, because a lot of parents tell me, oh, I'm not comfortable with cry it out, and I want to know what that means. Yeah. Um, so that's what traditional cry it out, aka extinction, that's what that is. It works, sure, and it works fast. It works in like 24 hours. They're sleeping through the night. But with that being said, and I think most parents would agree with me, I want to make sure that we're paying attention to cues as they're needed. So if your little one is crying because they're hungry, I want you to feed them. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to be paying attention to those cues, especially overnight or as it gets into the morning hours where they're more likely to feel hungry or they're um, in the morning hours, their stages of sleep their deep stages start to shorten and their light stages of sleep start to lengthen, meaning that they're spending more time in light sleep, AKA they're more likely to wake when they are hungry or they hear a trash talk or whatever it is. Um, So I want you to be paying attention to those cues. With that being said, I work with parents to find their level of comfort to allow their child the space to be able to soothe while also being hands-on as needed. So If a parent comes to me and they're like, yes, I'm comfortable with some tears, then we're going to focus more on like coming in and out at intervals. And I let them choose the intervals so they can choose where they're comfortable with. Um, And then if if a parent comes to me and they're like, no, 
I'm not comfortable with that. Then we're going to find a solution that they are more or less in the room with them and pretty much hands-on throughout the entire process. So they're in there making sure that that baby knows that or that child, whoever it is, knows that they're there and they're by their side. And if they need anything, I'm here, but I'm also going to be here to calm you, but I'm not going to put you to sleep, right? So it's not something like, I'm here, I'll rub your back while you're in your crib, but I won't pick you up. Yeah. Kind of thing? Okay. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. And then eventually we'll have to wean off of the rubbing the back too, right? Because that can become a, a, an association as well. Yeah. They learn to fall asleep by having their back rubbed. Um, Zachary. It's Zachary. Fun. Yes, that's my seven-year-old. He still falls asleep having his back rubbed because oh. I was, I totally am – I thought I let my kids cry it out, but I was the parent that would let him cry. And then I, after, you know – two minutes of crying, I would go rub his back. And now mm-hmm. I still rub his back. Now with my 13 month old, I was like, no way, not doing this. I stopped for the most part, rocking her at naps when she was six months old. And I would lay her down drowsy, or I would lay her down and let her cry for like a couple minutes, nothing mm-hmm. crazy. But then she would kind of play in her crib. And I was a psycho with a video monitor watching every single move mm-hmm. she made. And then she would put herself <laughs> to bed <laughs> But now, I don't, I mean, I feel like if she wakes up in the middle of the night, she's only crying for like her pacifier that she can't find. Yeah. So we'll go, I'll let her cry for a minute or two. And then if she still continues and it's, it's not just like a a whiny cry, it's a, I need you cry. Mm -hmm. I'll go in and find that pacifier. And sometimes I'll pull her out and rock her and put her back down. But for the most part, I just give that pacifier to her. Mm-hmm. So I guess as much as I thought I was a cry it out kind of mom, You're I'm responding really not. to her cues, yeah. But she also just hates me half the time and just is awake. <laughs> she does not. <laughs> I'm convinced. I'm pretty right. sure. <laughs> no, That's what and, it feels like. And, and parents find where they're comfortable. And, you know, for example, if we were to work together, I would probably ask you to um, – Continue to use the pacifier as long as she's not waking for it, looking for it, um, mm-hmm. because that would tell me that she's super reliant on it. Um, well, and I guess that's the thing. I'm like very, okay, when we get to this point, this is gone. This point, this is gone. Right. So at a year, it was literally like she was a year and two weeks old. The bottles were gone. Yeah. And like in my head, I'm like, okay, when she's a year and a half old, that pacifier is gone. Mm-hmm. By 18 months, we are potty training. So it's one of those things that I'm like, okay, these are the milestones I expect for my kids. And this is like what I'm going to stick to. Mm-hmm. And so is right. that something like that you're like, okay. So like right now, I know my daughter Blake is reliant on a pacifier. My kids are totally how do you How do you work with a parent <laughs> to say like, okay, well, it's time to start weaning them from this because they rely on it so heavily. So... I kind of want the parent to make that decision on their own with me guiding them to make that decision, right? Because especially with a pacifier, things like a pacifier or co-sleeping or something like that, um, we want to make sure that they are ready to make that decision. And I'm Mm -hmm. there to urge them into that direction, right? When you say they are, do you mean the baby or the the parent? parent, The parent. Okay. Uh, parent. Everybody in my right are way different when it comes to that. (laughs) Right, right. No, of course, your child will, will... in your eyes, I most like they never adapt. be ready. Yeah, um, yeah. Because that, like I said, they don't like change um, yeah. even more than we do. So they're more likely to hang on to it for longer. Um, 
with that being said, I actually am a big fan of the pacifier, especially when they're really little, like in that first few months of life, because of all the benefits that they have. When I become less of a fan is when they are reliant on it and waking for it, looking for it. So if your little one, for example, starts out the night with a pacifier and wakes and looks for it throughout the night or even after one sleep cycle, aka anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours overnight, um, and then they're looking for the pacifier, you insert it back in, they fall right to sleep, and then it happens over and over and over again. That tells me that they're too reliant on that pacifier to fall asleep. My hand is in the air. And then, <laughs> right. Well, at least now you know like what the problem is. So I find ways to, before we get rid of that pacifier altogether, unless a parent comes to me and they're like, I can't handle this thing anymore. I need it out of my house. Unless they come to me with that, yeah. I'm going to work on finding ways to make them less reliant on it. So basically we're going to teach independent sleep at times when it does fall out. You can give it at the beginning of the night, but when it does fall out, we're going to use other methods to help that baby calm or that child calm to eventually put themselves to sleep so that we're not basically reinforcing that habit, right? We're yeah. finding other ways around it, but yeah. it's in the crib if they need it, it's there. Um, or you can also, I, I say this with a grain of salt only because I don't want your child waking all night long looking for it, but if they can reach it on their own, that's good too um, because they, they don't need to, call for you they basically in like a half stage of sleep can put it back in their mouth yeah and that's um, our problem is right she so like can't find them at night to put them back I in know. yeah so my, my and I like to see with that is that they're that means that they're still waking in the middle of the night um and whether they're calling for you or not that means that they're not consolidating their sleep all night long and they're waking enough to be putting that pacifier back in their mouth meaning that they're getting more or less disturbed sleep now, is it better than them waking, calling for you, crying, waking up fully, getting you involved so they're more stimulated? Yes, of course, it's much better. But if we can get them to a point, you know, if you need to go from that stage to them finding it themselves to working on helping them fall asleep without it, then that works for me too. So I'm just going to put 27 pacifiers in her bed all around <laughs> her so she can grab one and go back to bed. Sounds pretty, <laughs> sounds pretty <laughs> realistic. <laughs> <laughs> and they also have glow in the dark ones now. Oh, we have them. And what's yeah. crazy is the other day, literally, I looked under her crib because I dropped a pacifier. I kid you not, my stepdaughter Jay like laughed at me. I found 16 pacifiers oh, that my goodness. under her crib. 16. That's amazing. No, it's so horrible. Yeah, it's like, be embarrassed I walk outside with like handfuls of pacifiers and I'm like, guys, this is so embarrassing. Like, look at what I found under Blake's crib. Oh, so and I had just gotten done telling my husband earlier in the day, like, I don't know where all these pacifiers are going. We need to buy more oh my God. because we have two of them. Yeah, like, right. I found them. Yeah. <laughs> So I think my issue with uh, Josie, who was just like a horrible sleeper straight Mm -hmm. out of the gate, I think hers was probably more the breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And so do you think like once you hit that four month mark, should you not be nursing to sleep? So I think like that's where I messed up. Yeah. So. Well, you didn't mess up. Don't feel feel like you messed up. You did exactly what your instinct told you to do. Right. So um, I, 
yes, I don't want you to be nursing to sleep anymore, but I do want you to be feeding that child when they need it. So for me, okay, well, let, let me take one step back. So experts agree that anywhere from three to six months, a baby can go eight to 12 hours without a feeding. Yeah. I say that with the caveat of also, I need you to ask your pediatrician when your child is ready to do that. Right. And because I'm like, that's a long time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I will never ask you to reject a feed overnight. Right. What I will ask you to do is figure out the difference between a comfort feed and a hunger feed. So if they're feeding for her, if they wake overnight and you feed them and they're actually hungry, they're going to be awake and active through that entire feed and eat as if it's daytime. So they're going to be hungry, right? Mine was comfort feeding. Taking it a full feed, right. So at some <laughs> point, when they no longer need those feeds overnight, they've gained enough weight, they're old enough, whatever it might be, pediatrician says okay, they're going to start feeding a little bit and then falling right back to sleep. So they're going to yeah. sleep for like anywhere from, you know, 10 seconds to two minutes and then fall right back to sleep. And they're drowsy through the whole thing, kind of like falling in and out of sleep. Their eyes are closed. That tells me that's more for comfort feeding. And unintentionally, what the parent has done is taught the child that food is that feeding equals sleep. So they don't know any other way to fall asleep, right? Right, Of course, when they go into that light back into that late stage of sleep at the end of that sleep cycle, they're going to wake and say, I don't know how to put myself back to sleep here. I need you. I need you. Which makes perfect sense. And so like, you know, I just stopped breastfeeding. And so I feel like now and the sleep is getting better. Um, But that was totally what I was doing. And she was waking up probably, I don't know, every two hours. Mm -hmm. That's the like, just for like the comfort feeding, you know, like she wasn't up for long times. It was horrible for me because then it would take me forever to fall back to sleep. Um, but it was long but, enough that yeah, it affected she, both of well, you. So she would wake up and, you know, I would go comfort feed her or she, I'd pull her into my bed because mm-hmm. I'm too tired mm-hmm. and it was just a hot mess. Yeah. And, and without, you know, um, all the more power to people who are able to sleep coach on their own and do the research on their own. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, the reason I think a career like mine exists is to be your cheerleader and your guide in the middle of the night. Right. So yeah you have all the skills to be able to figure out how to put that little one back to sleep without doing, you know, whatever their, their comfort is, whatever yeah. their, um, their association is and continue to teach that independent sleep throughout the night, knowing you're doing the right thing. Cause I think a lot of parents, it's easier and, and to get them back to sleep as quickly as possible so that everybody gets some sleep. They do exactly. whatever it is that they're used to doing or they pull them into bed with them or they rock them or, you know, whatever it is. Some parents, which this is like a red flag in my head. I'm like, please hire me. Um, uh, <laughs> drive their kids in the middle of the night. That they what? They'll, they'll drive their kids because that's oh how my they goodness. Oh, wow. That's some commitment. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. commitment, but it's also a little scary. Like, I don't think you're yeah. driving in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. And you don't have to either. There, there's so many other, you know, I, I think that sleep is this thing that a lot of parents just assume, oh, I have children, so I'm going to struggle with sleep. The end. Like, right. that's how it works. I don't get sleep anymore. That doesn't have to be true. Um, you know, that about four months, they can start going 12 hours overnight 
either with one feed or two feeds or without a feed at all. And that's what I look for, right? So my goal with anywhere between that four to like seven month range, because usually after that point, most pediatricians say no more feeds, they don't need them. Um, But in between those months, my goal is to get them to fall asleep and stay asleep independently so that parent is doing bedtime routine, laying them down awake and saying, good night, I love you and walking out and that baby puts themselves to sleep. And then when they do wake, it's because they're hungry and they need a feed. And so we're not waking unnecessarily. So if they're waking one to two times a night and doing a full feed, awake and active through that entire feed and pediatrician says, yes, we still need that feed, that's sleeping through the night for me. Yeah. So when you say, put that baby in their bed, kiss that baby, tell them goodnight and you love them and walk out, is that that baby's asleep within five minutes or it can take 15 minutes, that baby rolls around in their crib, whatever it takes, and then goes to sleep? Good question. So a successful independent sleeper, by the time we get to that point, I'm looking for them to be able to fall asleep anywhere from, you know, one to exactly what you said, about 15 minutes, because sometimes Mm -hmm. it does take that long. Now, are they screaming that entire time? No, they shouldn't be. They should be, by the time they get to the point of being an independent sleeper, they are exactly what you just said. So they're rolling around, they're babbling, maybe they're whining a little bit, but they're not screaming. Um, They're talking to themselves, they're picking up their lovey if they have one in there, putting it different places, touching their feet, whatever it might be. Within the 15 to 20 minute mark, they're asleep without much fuss. Um, so I feel like you're screaming to me that this pacifier is my issue because <laughs> this is what sleep does. I lay her down and I lay her down awake because I've always said I will not have two of my seven-year-old. I will not rub two backs for uh-huh. 30 minutes every night. So she lays down in her crib. I tell her good night. I love her. I lay her down. She lays down in her crib. She turns on her little music thing. She watches that. She falls asleep. She plays with her lovey. And then she still gets up at night. Yeah. <laughs> And it's for that pacifier because she can't find it. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where the trouble comes from. (laughs) You know, if they can find it in the middle of the night all night long, great. But again, one that tells me if they're waking for it often and putting it back in themselves, better than them signaling for you. But that means that they're still waking often. So for their developmental purposes and and their, you know, immune system building and all those yummy things that happen while they're sleeping, I want that to be more consolidated. Um, so they're not getting disrupted sleep and they're rolling right back into a sleep cycle, a new sleep cycle without needing something to help them fall asleep. Um, and that, you know, if it's not working at some point, cause what ends up happening is a lot of parents tell me right around like one and a half, two, they know how to get your attention. So they start throwing the pacifiers out of the crib <laughs> Yep, <laughs> and then yep. you're running That's in crazy. on hands and knees in the dark, like looking for it, trying That's to figure crazy. find it and put it back. So yeah. it, it just, you know, it, it can sometimes get to a point where you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore, right? So um, that's that's kind of where I'm at with pacifiers. If they're healthy association and they're helpful, great, keep them. Um, if they end up being something that you're waking all night long or they're waking all night long, that's when we need to sort of work on transitioning them out of them. Yeah. So, all right, my baby is a horrible sleeper. I decide I need a sleep consultant. I call up Chloe. What does that look like? You said, like, you know, we'll kind of go through the 20 minute uh, talk, talk, <laughs> your call. 
Uh, you'll gather some information. I talk to my pediatrician. We all decide, yeah, this is a great choice. We do the intake paperwork. You gather more information. And then what does it kind of look like you working with families? Sure. So after we do that intake form, I basically yeah. take about 48 hours to figure out a plan. So in that 48 yeah. hours, if I have extra questions, I'm going to be emailing you, talking to you. Um, making sure that I have all the information clear and set before I jump into creating a custom plan for you. So in those first 48 hours, what I'm going to be doing is figuring out what method I think is best for you. And I'm going to work with you to figure that out. And then you're going to get there like 10 or 12 pages, I think, this plan that basically yeah. tells you everything that you would need to know about sleep. So all the information yeah. about what to expect, your child's age, is there anything developmental going on that I should be aware of, AKA, you know, any regressions coming up or anything like that. Yeah. And then from there, after that, it'll go into very clear step-by-step -step instructions on what to do at bedtime. If they wake in the middle of the night, this is what you do. And then, um, it also has it for naps and, and a daytime schedule too, right? So yeah. for each age, there's going to be a different daytime schedule because it has to do with how long at their age they're capable of being awake for a certain amount of time. So that daytime schedule is going to look different for every age and often for most children because what we end up doing throughout those two weeks is we're in communication with each other figuring out what the best schedule is for them and playing with it back and forth, depending on their child. It's kind yeah. of a guess and check at a certain point. Um, and then I'm also there to help guide you and be your cheerleader, like I said. So if you're dealing with bedtime and you're like, I this is a nightmare. Going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know We're we've, we're at this point, this is how long we've been doing the step-by-step -step instructions. Yeah. What's going on. And then I'll ask a bunch of questions and say, okay, well, you know, are you doing this? Are you doing that? And then we talk about what maybe you're doing that was a little bit off or yeah. maybe that child isn't responding to the method that we're, we chose. Okay, let's tweak it. Um, and I'm there to basically be in constant communication with you to help you figure out how to make this, how to make sleep possible. Right. Right. So, um, you know, for, for a parent, the guide that I send is great information, but what I often find, especially in those first couple of nights, it's a lot of information. Yeah. And once they're putting it into practice, they're like, okay, wait, <laughs> you know. What does any of this mean? Right, yeah. exactly. Um, and so I want to make sure that I'm there to be able to answer those questions and help guide you through it so that you're not inadvertently making mistakes throughout the process. I want to make sure that you're coming out successful in the end. Yeah, yeah. So that sounds... All really great. Yeah. I'm also um, baby number four. I'm going to be calling them up, calling up Chloe. Right. <laughs> I'm also uh, probably actually by the time this podcast is live. Yeah. I'm uh, going to start offering text message support for the first four yeah. hours so that you have like direct access to me. Uh, I think that that sounds just great. because there are so many questions that come up and, and honestly, not that, I can't answer emails quickly because it's kind of the same thing as a, as a message to me. I know. But for parents, sometimes it's like sitting down to write an email feels more than shooting a quick text. text. Yeah. Exactly. And I yeah. want to make sure this is accessible. I'm accessible and easy to reach for you. So I'm going to launch that probably in the next day or so. 
Yeah. Oh, that's that awesome. Sounds great. Yeah. And then our Mimosa listeners also get a 10% off mm-hmm. for working with you. Um, and that's with a promo code. Yes. So they just have to email me and I'll send them a personalized promo code. Yeah. Perfect. And then they can find you on Instagram at La Loon Consulting. Mm-hmm. And you're on Facebook at La Loon Consulting as well. Yep. And your uh, website is www.laloonconsulting.com. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, yeah. So, Chloe, it was wonderful talking to you. Thank it was, you. you. It was so too. informative. I know. I'm so glad. Like, I'm so so glad. much information. Like so I great. I only reached the tip of the iceberg. I could talk about sleep for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like... Well, next time, uh, next baby, maybe we'll have you on again. And I'll be like, hey, Chloe, let's like go <laughs> through step by yeah. step on the podcast. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's never too late, you know? I know. It's anywhere I from know. zero to five. I mean, I help the majority of my clients fall within that like four month to a year range, four yeah. months to 15 months. And then after that, the, the biggest um, segment is the toddler bed transition. Because yeah. that's a whole other form of sleep coaching and, and requires a whole different set of rules. So I'll work with anyone and everything in between. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Chloe. And uh, cheers to a good night of sleep. Cheers, cheers to, to that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. You can find us on Instagram at Mimosas with Moms and on Facebook at Mimosas with Moms. And you can email us all of your questions, don't forget, at the number 2mimosamoms at gmail.com.